Good morning and welcome to Moving Markets. It's the 7th of March today. My name is Roman Canziani. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer and your host for today's program. In today's edition, I'm pleased to be joined by our chief economist, David Cole, who will share his latest thoughts on European inflation data and their impact on the monetary policy of the European Central Bank. And by Manuel Villegas from our Next Generation Research, who has an update on digital assets. But let me first start with a short wrap on what has happened over the past few hours and what markets are up to this morning. Well, markets were a bit of a mixed bag yesterday. In Europe, uh, stock markets had to do a bit of a catch-up with the US after the rally there on Friday, which had been triggered by the growing consensus that the Federal Reserve will not be able to increase rates as aggressively as feared. There were two markets in uh, Europe which bucked the trend. Uh, the commodity-driven UK market and the defensive Swiss market both closed uh, lower on the day. As the day went on, the rally on Wall Street fizzled out and the S&P uh, closed little changed. Outperformers were tech, utilities and consumer staples, all up by a bit less than 0.5%. Underperformers were materials at minus 1.6% as the market digested the Chinese growth goal of about 5% for the year, uh, which had been hoped to come in a little bit higher and therefore put pressure on industrial metals overall. In overnight news, uh, Australia's central bank raised its key interest rate for the 10th time in a row, uh, which sent currency and yields lower there. And in Japan, data released uh, that workers' real wages dropped the most since 2014, despite the government's push for more pay. This is just another example how difficult it is for the governments to achieve the goal of wage gains with positive inflation. And Meta has announced another round of layoffs, cutting thousands of employees as early as this week. This comes on top of the 13% reduction in November. Markets in Asia this morning uh, lack a little bit of direction. The Japanese Nikkei closed up by 0.25%, while the uh, Hong Kong Hang Seng and the Chinese CSI are both trading down by about 1%. US Treasury yields and the dollar are both range-bound, with 10-year yields uh, below 4%, pretty sticky there, and the dollar slightly weaker across the board. Oil is higher for the sixth consecutive day, and Bitcoin is trading about 22,400 US dollars. Most important today is Fed Chair Jerome Powell's Senate panel uh, testimony later on. Markets are obviously keen on Mr. Powell's thoughts on whether the aggressive rate hikes of the US Central Bank have started cooling the economy or whether there is more needed. Otherwise, we have not too many data today, except for some European industrial production data. We already have had uh, Swiss unemployment figures for February, uh, which came in spot on with expectations at 2.1%. And as I said before, there's not too much action in futures markets this morning. The board is slightly reddish in Europe, so we expect the Euro SOX 50 index to open a little bit uh, lower than yesterday's close, and uh, US futures are slightly in the plus. So this is all for the markets wrap. And now I welcome David Cole, our chief economist. Good morning, David. Inflation data in Europe has surprised to the upside recently. So what are your takeaways there? Good morning, Roman. Um, good morning, everybody. Yes, inflation is uh, becoming again more volatile. That's uh, typical at the beginning of the year. And um, the major impact is, of course, that there had been some disappointment as the 
Um, most of people expect now inflation to decline, and it was not as speedy as hoped for or expected. And uh, the obvious reaction is then there's more pressure on central banks to do something against that, uh, most notably here on the uh, European Central Bank to do more against that. And we had already a quick reaction uh, from the central bank by highlighting, yes, they are ready to do the 50 basis point rate hike on their next meeting uh, in March. Uh, so here, this is uh, the, the obvious reaction. But for us, it's important to, to drill a bit deeper on that. So one factor which has led to the disappointing inflation reading in the eurozone is, of course, the beginning of the year where lots of price adjustments are happening. And exactly that was the case here as well. We know that energy prices had been pretty high uh, uh, second half of last year. And now lots of uh, goods and services which are dependent where energy prices play a role are being adjusted. Among them, of course, travel expenses uh, became more expensive. Uh, so price had been here adjusted up. But as well, on the food uh, side, uh, there was not only energy, energy intensively uh, of, the, of the segment, but of course, also weather-related uh, price increases, which we observe. So from this perspective, you see already, Roman, that uh, the inflation uh, surprise here, um, or the surprise that inflation is not coming down as expected, has little to do with uh, actually monetary policy tightening here. And of course, you can uh, do more tightening uh, by a monetary policy, trying to avoid this pass-through we are currently observing from high energy prices in the past uh, to other products. Uh, but we think uh, uh, the uh, monetary policy tools are probably um, not so good uh, suited uh, to achieve that simply because it takes time until monetary policy really affects the economy, really affects demand. Uh, and uh, further interest rate hike will definitely do something with demand, slowing demand uh, in the next 12 months, so in next year, but not in the immediate future. So uh, what we bet on in terms of inflation dynamics in the next three to six months in the short term is definitely what we see in the pipeline inflation pressure. So what energy prices are doing on the one hand side, but even more important, what this supply chain pressure indicators are telling us. And from here, there are some encouraging news uh, that inflation will come down in the next uh, three to six months, uh, simply because we have much shorter delivery times. Uh, order backlogs have declined massively as well. Uh, so here, really, the, all the supply chain issues which have contributed to higher inflation readings in the past, uh, they are easing. They are easing significantly. Uh, so um, our take here from the inflation figures, they are reflecting much more volatility than a change in trend when it comes to inflation. Uh, inflation will come down in, in the short term due to easing uh, supply uh, chain issues. And we will maintain actually this, this volatility here, which comes due to the price adjustments of past energy increases. For the central banks, not a comfortable situation. As I said, uh, pressure is here. Uh, pressure will remain to do something. And we expect uh, on the next uh, ECB meeting, then also this action to follow through to hike interest rates by another 50 basis points. That's all from my side. Back to you, Roman. Thank you very much, David. Well, now over to Manuel Villegas from Next Generation Research. Uh, digital assets are once again in the spotlight. So what's the latest and what are your conclusions? Thank you so much. And as David just mentioned, an increasingly uncertain macroeconomic outlook paired with a blood-lostful U.S. Securities Exchange Commission tightening crypto regulation 
by as much as possible. And the spillover effects of FTX's fraudulent activities from 2022 are imposing many challenges in the short term for digital assets. Despite this, developers have not ceased to add value to the blockchain space with consequent innovation and protocol improvements. With that, Layer 2 solutions have gained more traction. They're not only being adopted by a very broad audience, but are also serving the purpose of bringing scalability to the Layer 1 blockchains, namely Ethereum. According to the blockchain trilemma, a blockchain will likely compromise scalability when seeking to maximize decentralization and security. In particular, the Ethereum blockchain's biggest challenge has been scalability for two reasons. The first one, it has an average throughput or transactions per day of around 1 million and an average settlement time close to 15 seconds. An extremely high network demand fueled by decentralized finance, tokenization payment and metaverse use cases has taken transaction fees to the thousands of dollars on several occasions. Fortunately, layer two rollups are bringing along the capacity to scale, particularly for Ethereum, by bundling hundreds of transactions into a single transaction on the layer one, thereby distributing the transaction fees. Rollup transactions are executed outside of the layer one, with only the final one being posted. And with that, that's the reason why they have been the center of attention lately. And the transaction numbers in these particular solutions have trumped also on Ethereum. And with that, active addresses in these solutions have continued to rise. And active addresses are a very good proxy for determining a network's value. According to Metcalf's law, the value of a network is proportional to the squared number of connected users. Price action has as well followed suit for rollups with behemoth year-to-date rallies, often outperforming the layer one solutions. Overall, Layer 2s contribute to Ethereum's value proposition by adding scalability to the blockchain, which, with a potentially positive outcome for the upcoming Shanghai upgrade, can cement Ethereum's position as a go-to Layer 1 network. And with that, despite macroeconomic conditions, a toughening regulatory environment in the US, and the spillover effects from last year's crisis, we expect that developments and innovations will continue to build a strong base for the asset class and will set it up in pole position to regain last year's lost grounds. And with that, back to you, Roman. Thank you. Thank you very much, Manuel. So with that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. So we do hope that you'll join us again soon. I wish you all a good day ahead. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.